Let me pray for us. We'll read Psalm 133. We'll dive in, and then we're going to feast. It's going to be delicious. Let's pray. Father, we are so incredibly grateful to be sitting out here tonight in your creation, praising and glorifying you. And so, Lord, we ask you to bless us. Bless what we're about to speak about tonight. May we carry it with us everywhere. May it be oppressed upon our hearts and our minds and our mouths. May we be good stewards of this incredible creation that you have given to us for dominion. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen. Amen. Good evening. First time, it's excellent. Something about being able to stand up front and you can get people to say things back. Everyone say hello, good evening, woo, good evening. And then like if you say a city name when you're talking, Denver, Denver, he said our city name. <laughs> so good evening's my thing, but it's good to see everybody. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful evening. I was thinking this past week about what I was going to talk about tonight. And we are, for those of you that haven't been here, we're in this, what I'm calling the summer of hope. We're talking about the hope that we have in Jesus and why we are joyful, hopeful people, not bogged down by maybe loser theology or we lose here or everything's only going to get worse, but that we are joyful, hopeful people because God is in control. And it, this kingdom builders, exactly. And this came from, I was flying with this young man who was a German national who moved to the States and he did a great job. And we were talking about how green it's been. You can, it, the interesting thing about flying a few thousand feet above the ground is you get a pretty decent idea of what the moisture content of Colorado is by how brown or green the ground is. And this year it is surprisingly green, which probably shouldn't surprise us all. We've had an incredible <laughs> amount of rain. And that, of course, got me thinking, and where my thoughts usually go is to God, because that's what usually happens with me. And I was thinking about how beautiful God's creation is and how lucky I am to have seen it from the altitudes of which I've seen it at. It's really incredible to look down from 80 feet or 800 feet or 8 miles, 47,000 feet, and look down at the expanse of God's creation. And if you're being intellectually honest, there's no way any of this could be by accident. We were, what were we talking about earlier? Was it fruit or food or bananas? We were talking about bananas earlier and things that are, are by accident. And so what I wanted to talk about tonight is the hope in creation. And, and first by talking about the lie of the evolutionary accident of the world. Because there isn't any hope in the evolutionary accident. So that's, I don't, we're not going to spend time dissecting the evolution versus creation argument. We'll touch on it just a teeny bit. I'm going to give you some resources. Dr. Gordon Wilson's one of those that's really great. But more so from, from the idea of where one lies with hope and where one lacks hope. And so that's kind of the, the springboard for what we're going to talk about is the fact that none of this is an accident. And if we're being honest, we all know that none of this is an accident. And I think this is going to challenge the status quo. For, for, I don't know if it'll challenge the status quo for you, but it definitely challenges a cultural status quo. This idea that everything here is just one big, giant, evolutionary accident. So, I didn't always believe this, but I believe evolution's total hogwash. Absolute total hogwash. I think it's trash, and I think it's a lie. I think 
<laughs> I, was, I was laughing, I was writing this, I was thinking, if you're going to challenge the status quo, you should just do it from the very beginning of what you're going to say. But there's a lot of reasons I believe this. And, and first is the history of evolutionary thought, which begins with Darwin, after his uh, venture to the Galapagos Islands, and then in 1859 publishing a text called On the Origin of Species, which became kind of the foundation of the evolutionary movement, the, the theory of evolution. And it's and I, I'm not a, a Darwin scholar, and I'm not a scholar in any of these things, so you know, keep that piece in mind. But evolution had been talked about pre-Darwin, but it was Darwin that really kind of foundationally, foundationally got, got the heels dug in, which then became what is kind of the accepted status quo. And so we don't have time to, to break down each of the arguments. We'll touch on a few of them. But I would encourage you, like I said before, to look at the work that Dr. Gordon Wilson has done. He's a biologist. He's a professor. Uh, he did, the, was it The Riot and the Dance? The Riot and the Dance is an incredible documentary about nature and about creation and about the uniqueness of species and, and all of the things that we experience here in creation. And he refutes the evolutionary argument scientifically. There's also a website called Answers in Genesis, which I really like, and I would encourage you to take a look at that as well. And I'll send out resources if anybody wants any of them. But what I want today to, to look at isn't just the arguments of why, like, it doesn't make any sense, evolution, because there's still apes, and the fossil record doesn't actually support it, and all of these other, the, what we would use in kind of normal scientific theory breakpoints, but talk about hope, about where hope lies in creation and where hope does not lie within evolution. Because if you think about evolution, it lacks hope. It has no morals. It's survival of the fittest. And I was thinking it's like the communism of biology. But it, it is all chance. Every one of you in evolutionary thought is by accident, which means actually none of you matter in, in evolutionary thought. You came from some primordial goo, goo at some point, so you're all goo. You're just evolved goo that hypothesized four billion years ago. My friend Doug Grotheis says that if you just take the timeline out long enough, you can make anything happen. Because you can't prove it, right? It's, it's, it's a theory. And so somehow this goo became all of you. You are goo. Meaningless goo. But somehow over billions and billions and billions of years, that is a miracle. Billions of years. Now all of a sudden, it's Jared. He's no longer goo. He is a walking, thinking, mosquito-repellent-carrying Jared. <laughs> because, mosquito, because what God creates, Satan mimics, and now we have mosquitoes. That's what I say about wasps. Honeybees are great, and then Satan created wasps. So, so all this goo after this, this incredible period of time now becomes thinking, breathing, creating, loving, emoting people. Doug said, you drag the timeline out long enough and you can just pretend like anything happens. Four billion years and some stuff happened. But there's a logical fallacy in that point, right? We, we know there's a lack of a fossil record to support this. I, I, I've been thinking about the bees. So we have pollinators and I have pollinating plants. This is the chicken and the egg argument, but with the bees. So in the evolutionary time frame, did both of these things evolve at the same rate? So that the pollinators and the pollinating plants Right? There, there are these logical disconnects and scientific disconnects between the creatures and the requirement for the food source that all would have had to evolve at the exact same rate. There are still apes. You all know that, right? If we evolved from apes, one would ask and inquire, 
Why are the apes still here? We're not even going to talk about dinosaurs. What evolved after the dinosaurs? We talked about that. Was it lunch today? Is that where we were talking about that or somewhere? It was something in the last day we were talking about that. So my point isn't that there aren't a bunch of great arguments. There aren't. I think I used a double negative there. There are a bunch of incredible arguments that refute the theory of evolution. I would encourage you to go look at those arguments. But I think it's actually greater than that. It's greater than just the scientific argument because you all know that there's actually no disconnect between science and God. The two actually support each other continuously. We, we were just talking about the James Webb telescope and the images that are coming out of the James Webb telescope. If God doesn't exist, that's all incredible, beautiful accidents. But we'll get to that in a little bit later. Because the point is evolution has no hope. Because if we just believe that we're all the result of millions and billions of years of just stuff happening and evolving and survival of the fittest, then there's no hope. And you can end up in really weird places where we can start making odd decisions like boys are girls and girls are boys and up is down and left is right, and you end up in clown world. You, just, you say, well, we're just in a cosmic accident. All of this is just one giant accident. Because if it is an accident, then there is actually no meaning to anything. The only meaning that we would have is, thing, is meaning that we have imputed on something. There's absolutely no morality if God doesn't exist. Because your moral system, if God doesn't exist, is people getting together and voting on what morality is. And we know what that looks like. That's what tyrannical regimes do, right? They, they have a group of powerful people that make decisions, and they impute tyranny on the people that don't believe. We've seen that in Russia, we've seen that in the Nazis, we've seen that currently in North Korea. We get so mad when people are, China, are so upset about slavery hundreds of years ago when there's real live slavery and persecution and people being tortured like right now in the world. But if this is all a cosmic accident, actually none of that even matters anyways. Why do you even care? Why? If you're just here accidentally, you shouldn't actually care. And, and we see the results of that in this, like, hyper self-interest, it's all about me, give me what I want, I don't care if I hurt you to get what I want because I care about me. Nobody's life matters if everything is an accident. Nobody's feelings matter, there's no such thing as a microaggression, a macroaggression, none of that, if this is all a giant accident. Because nobody actually really cares about you if everything was created by accident. The past, the present, the future mean nothing. Primordial goo that four billion later is turned into walking, breathing, talking people. That's the evolutionary argument. Because if you separate the creator from the creation, you are left with an accident. The strong survive, you kill the weak, and nothing actually really matters. YOLO, do whatever you want to do, because nothing really matters. And there's no hope in that. And, and we all know we all know that's not true, and it doesn't make sense. We know that. We, we, we know that foundationally. But somewhere in the mid to late 1800s, this became fact. No longer even treated as a theory. It is treated as fact. And I don't know if you know this, but some things in the past that have been treated as fact in the future have been found out not to be fact or helpful. Did you know there was a time in the hospitals? Cocaine's not just for the White House. <laughs> they, actually, they actually used to give it in hospitals, too. There was a time when they bloodlet people with leeches. Ah, this is a good medical procedure. Stick these leeches on people and suck the blood out of them. 
My point is, is that theories come and go as ages come and go, right? And people are convinced that they have the right answer because they are so much smarter and so much wiser than the stupid people that came before them. I mean, look at all the technology we have. Isn't life so much better? But see, we know as believers and, and, and followers of Jesus that there is actually hope in life. We know that there is beautiful joyful hope that there is a constant, that there is actual truth. It's not a theory. It isn't the theory of creation. It is creation. But for anything to be created, there must have been a creator. I'm impressed at, what is the 15th? How many fireworks are still going off every night? Like, it, yeah, there you go. It's like a standard deviation on both sides of the 4th of July. Like, how much earlier can we move it and how much later? But think about this. We know this, and we know this scientifically, that nothing can come from nothing. You agree? Nothing can come from nothing. So if you really think about that for a second, nothing can ever be created from nothing. Have you ever heard the, the analogy of the pocket watch in the woods? Like you walk into the woods, and there's a tree stump, and there's a pocket watch on it. Nobody's around. Do you assume that that pocket watch magically built itself and placed itself on the tree stump? It evolved from primordial goo. It evolved from primordial goo. And four, billions late, four billion years four later. Years and, and why couldn't it have? I mean, tell me, why couldn't it have? I want evolution to explain jellyfish. They have no brain. They never die. Only if they get eaten, if they get eaten or, washed up. or washed up. So the pocket watch story reminds you that if you walked into a place and saw something, you would assume it's hot tub. Somebody built this. It didn't just evolve into the place that it was, right? Logic tells us that created things must have a creator. So if, if we're thinking logically and we're starting at the beginning point, then we must search for where that creator is. Who is that creator? And I'm going to read something that's a little bit long. And I laugh. Anytime I read long scripture, I laugh because a church that I worked at said, you could never read more than eight verses because you'll lose people. There's all this data that church groups do to tell you how to engage people that I've read zero of. And so I'm going to read all of Genesis 1 and all of Genesis 2. But, <laughs> so, um, but I really want you to sit. I, I know most of you have heard this many times. I want you to, to really listen to the words. So the word of the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was ho hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters, and that were above the expanse. And it was so, and God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And so it was. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered he called seas. God saw that it was good. And then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and it was evening, and there was morning a third day. And God said... Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be signs for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser to rule the night and the stars. 
God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the, the waters swarm with the swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw it was good. And he blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. It was so. God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let, make, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of man and God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And, so, and it was so. And God saw everything that he made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and the morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and earth were finished. And all the host of them, and on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground. And then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Go away. It's mine. The wasps like it. Um, go away. Go away. Be gone. There's a spider the other week. It's a wasp this week. Uh, breath of uh, life, and the man became a living creature, and the Lord God planted a garden in the Eden, in the east, and there he put man uh, whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. Do you guys find trees that are pleasant to look at? The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And there it divided and became four rivers. The first is the Pishon, and it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedalum and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon, and the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows out of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and keep it. Have you ever noticed no other animal's garden? come back to that. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you should not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whenever the man called every living creature, that was its name. 
Man gave names to all livestock and the birds of the heavens, every beast of the field. But for Adam, it was not found a fit helper for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And, that, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This at last, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God indeed. God's words are more eloquent than mine. That's why I wanted to read one and two. But what Genesis tells us is that everything was created on purpose. The Bible's not a history book, but it contains things that are historical. Right? It's not a it's not a blow by blow of every single event at every single time. That but it is it is the covenant of God, right? It is how we get to know the Lord. It's a covenant between Him and His people. It's a lie. I've said this before at church. It's a love letter. God has given us a love letter that we get to know him better, and sometimes love letters are hard to read when we have to tell people things. But what we see in Genesis 1 and 2 is that every single thing is created on purpose by God, which actually means that every single thing has meaning, has purpose. Evolution is death. Creation is life. Evolution actually requires death. Creation creates life. You all were created. None of you evolved out of nothingness. You were all created on purpose. This yard, this world, the, those bushes, the bees, the goats, everything here matters. And you also all know that morality exists. Nobody had to teach you this. Intrinsically, you know that morality exists. We know that people that don't believe morality exists to be sociopathic or narcissist or, or to have some kind of, of, of a disconnect, right? Evil sin to where they, they don't emotionally or morally connect. But that is, that is an outlier from the human experience, right? We don't have to teach people that murder is, is wrong. When people die, our, our, our hearts and our souls hurt because we know that they're more than just an accident of some primordial goo, right? Everything created with purpose, which means everything matters, and you all know life actually matters. That's why we're all upset when really tragic things happen, especially when tragic things happen to children. When violence is enacted, like the, these, these horrific school shootings, when, when, when violence is enacted against children, it, it crushes souls, right? Like it causes us to recoil because we know that life has meaning. And the only way that life can have meaning is if there is a creator, there is somebody in there at the sink. I don't know who it is, but they probably know how to get around our house. Is it maybe? Probably. <laughs> is there somebody in our house? Yes. Do we know them? Maybe. <laughs> we, we know that life matters, but for life to matter, it had to be created. And for something to be created, there must be a creator. So like I said earlier, that should be the search for the creator. And thankfully, we don't have a theory of creation. We have the truth of creation given to us. And with that, then we can figure out what the meaning of life is. I almost said Douglas Wilson, but I meant Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams told us what it was, the meaning to life, the universe, and everything. Does anybody know what he said it was? It was 42. If you read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it's a pretty funny book. He's an atheist, but delightful reading. Very, very tall man. Hello, hello. Life is 42. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. 
It's funny, we, we were looked through the window. I was so trying to open it so I could just listen to my name. <laughs> and then everyone like looked over and I was like, we heard You just come on out. It's good. Um, <laughs> it's good to see you. So because life has meaning and because life is created, we should search for who the creator is. And it's important for us to know who he is and why he did what he did. And so it tells us that in Genesis. It tells us why God created us. And it was and it is to have cre uh, dominion over his creation. You all are image bearers of God. And which means that you are tasked with having dominion over his creation to glorify his creation. See, that's, that's what we see when, we, when I see when I'm looking out the window of the aircraft looking down on like the peaks over Greenland where people have never walked on. Like that's mind blowing. You're 47,000 feet over northern Greenland and you're looking down at like inhospitable landscapes. Part of you's thinking, I hope we don't crash there, but I think you'd freeze really quick so it'd probably be okay. But it's gorgeous. Pe people haven't been there. It, it, it's beautiful. The, the northern lights, the northern lights uh, flying over to Europe at night, a lot of times we get to see the northern lights from the sky. That's mind blowing watching the sunrise, uh, even just looking over Denver at a thousand feet and, and watching the complexity of our world and the different colors and, and, and the diversity of people, all of them going about their little lives with their own consciousness, loving and caring and having their days, right? It's beautiful. We are tasked to have dominion over this creation to glorify it for God. I mean, Think about some of the most breathtaking things that you've seen. We sent in the, I think it was the Lion's Den group today, somebody sent an article link for, oh, I think it was Kurt. Some dude landed a helicopter in Grand Teton National Park against the law. He's out there having a picnic with his lady. <laughs> like, By the way, sir, you can't bring your helicopter here without permission. Um, but why were they in Grand Teton? Why didn't they land at the park down the street from their house? They're in Grand Teton because it's beautiful. Now, I don't know that it's beautiful because when I was in Grand Teton about a month ago, the car was breaking down, and I was just trying to get out of Grand Teton as fast as possible to get to the nearest, like, auto repair place, which was four hours away, and there was no cell phone service, so we did not. We took one picture out the window really quick. There's the Tetons. We got to go. It was a missed opportunity. I took a of, picture. I you did. You even looked at I didn't. I looked at the picture just right like that. Check engine lights flashing. Right. Why is why is Yellowstone beautiful? Why do people travel? Yeah, well, look at that cloud right there. So look at that cumulonimbus cloud. If you if you stare at it, you you're gonna it watch evolve. it build. It's gonna evolve into something bigger. <laughs> is it gonna evolve into a duck or something? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it'll s drop sprinkles or cash. I'll take cash before sprinkles. <laughs> Lightning. Uh, Brandon, who comes, has some beautiful time-lapse pho photography that he's taken of, of thunderstorms and lightning. It's incredible. You know that's beautiful. Artwork, it's beautiful. You know the dog doesn't actually care about any of that? The dog does not appreciate any of this. Why? Why is there a difference? Why is there a difference between us and the dog? Why is the bunny not appreciate? Why does Ricky? I mean, all Ricky really wants is a little bit of Isaac's attention and some hay. A lot of bit of Isaac's attention and some hay. So why is it we find things beautiful and no other creatures do? Because we are image bearers of a creator. We are separate on purpose. You all know that your dog is not an actual family member. We love our dogs and our cats. They're part of our you know, family here at the house, but they're not a family member. right? They don't carry our last name, Grace Thigh. She's got an ID card. She probably does at the vet, but then she'd be liable for taxes, I think. 
So, so we know that beauty exists. We know that our hearts hurt when, when terrible things happen to people. We know that our interactions with each other are different than the interactions that the animals have. We, we know these things to be fundamental truths. But if we're all just goo and we're battling for the top spot, then why even worry about any of this to begin with? Why do we even care about beauty and creating and making a good meal? I mean, it's just sustenance. It's just food. Why not treat it like the dog? Just have some gruel, kibble, people kibble. Could we? That's cereal. That is cereal. <laughs> that actually is cereal. That's anything with high fructose corn syrup in it. <laughs> but we're not accidents. We were created on purpose. And we know this too in the manner in which we determine we want to seek things like justice. And, and we want to seek things like righteousness. And we want to rejoice in things like beauty and grace. All of these things because we are image bearers of the Creator. And that's why I want us to really think about Genesis 1. Ooh, almost lost that. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Especially as we go about our weeks this week. And looking at the intricacies of God's creation that He has given all of you to have dominion over. And I think part of this is, if, if we don't have hope in creation, even as people of faith, then we can start being reckless with creation as well. And we, we have to be really thoughtful about that. So if we end up in like the loser theology camp, we're like, well, you know, the world's just going to get destroyed anyway, so who cares? You can fall into almost the same trap that the evolutionists fall into. Well, I'm just not even going to care for this beautiful creation. But that's not what it says in Genesis. What God told you in Genesis was you have dominion over this, which means you have responsibility. And because you're an image bearer of it, you have responsibility for how you caretake, how you, you can't go burn your, your tire fire in your backyard, right? <laughs> um, how you are responsible with, with uh, animals and caring for them appropriately. Like you can't, if you're in faith, you can't kick your dog. Like you can't be somebody who abuses animals, right? That's not taking dominion over God's creation. That's not acting as an image bearer. And there's no hope in any of that. But if you're looking at it with this hopeful outlook that we have, and you say, okay, all of this was provided on purpose. All of this serves a purpose. Our job is, is to use our giftings to cultivate it for the glory of God. We have now elevated all of this in the way that we look at it. Looking out the airplane window and just gazing down at how green everything is in, in marvel. I mean, think about farmers. Farmers predominantly are religious why? Because they are not in control of the seasons. I'm not talking about big corporation farming. I'm talking about people that are out tilling the land and doing the work, right? It's, it's, they're not in control whether it's going to rain or it's not. You could have a bad year and have a really bad crop, and you, that's trust. You could have a banner year too, right? You're not in control of those things, but you have to cultivate you have to build, and you have to use responsibly. And there's hope in that, because it has purpose. But if it's just an accident, then you're just going to live in fear all the time. It changes the way we interact with everything in the created world when we realize that it was put here on purpose, and it's for us to have dominion over and to use in, a, in the appropriate, responsible way to glorify God. And we can do that in all this. I mean, we, we do that here, right? We, we glorify God by the way we, we've built out the yard, the way we grow food the way the, the space here is built for all y'all to come hang out. We do it with food. We try to make food that is tasty. And, and we, we want to bring tasty food to you to show you that like, it doesn't just have to be kibble. And it doesn't even have to be expensive to make really good food. I, people are really surprised when I tell them how small the outpost food budget is and for how many folks that we feed on a weekly basis here. Like, it's, 
it's significantly smaller than some families that I would say are probably half the size of Kristen and my family grocery budget. We try to buy smart. We try to use it responsibly. We try to ballpark, right? And, and how many of you are going to be here? And then we, we use this food as a mechanism to show you that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I think that like being joyful Christians, interacting with God's creation joyfully is a way for us to go out and disciple the world. You're bouncing around with excitement at all of these incredible things. It's why I like Gordon Wilson. And, and, and I would encourage you to watch the ride and the dance. Because Gordon Wilson's talking to you about how science shows us the complexity of God's world. DNA. DNA is an evolutionary accident? That seems incredibly silly to me. Like it, it's illogical. So we can use a scientific method and process. Scientists can, not me. We. It's a global we, not a, a we here we, unless you happen to be scientists. To be able to explore the complexities of God's created world and universe. I mean, that, as I said earlier, the James Webb Telescope released some photos this last week. They're on NASA's website. If you haven't seen them, you should go look them up. They're out of this world. The, the, it's, it is so breathtaking. Places in space that nobody's ever seen before. How's that an accident? Not to mention the fact that the telescope's bringing back all kinds of data that's disproving a bunch of theories that people had about the expanse of the universe to begin with that might be defying certain laws of physics. How's that an accident? So the encouragement and the hope is, is that everything in your life has purpose and everything in your life has meaning. Every single thing. The food that you eat, the air that you breathe, the art that you enjoy, the, the music that you were playing inside earlier, which was really wonderful. I, I heard, actually, I think it was Brian said recently in, in something he preached about, we take it for granted that we have music everywhere. Like when we're done here, we're going to go sing. And then we're going to press a button there and the music's going to play inside and outside again. A hundred years ago, if you wanted music, you had to pay people to come play it for you. You couldn't just like, now it's easy. We were, kids come home yesterday and they're like, hey, did you hear this song? And they send you the Spotify link and you hit the button and you play the song. Right? We can glorify God there. But, but before that, you had to bring people in. Your dog, your cat doesn't bring in its friends to sing music and make music. Hey, you guys want to start a band? What do you think the band would be called for our pets? Grace does sing a little bit. I don't know if she's, if she's happy or unhappy about the... She's trying to sing. So, what's your band name? Grace sings a little bit. Grace sings a little bit. Oh, I like that. That's a good idea. We should trademark that before I post the podcast. I'm going to look on Colorado Secretary State of Business. Who registered the name? But everything, is, everything in creation has purpose, which gives us purpose. And we're living in a time when... when there's so many people that are walking around feeling that life is hopeless and that there isn't meaning. And um, there, there are people that are struggling. And we saw suicide rates spike up after COVID. We, we see, you know, one of the unfortunate results of, of the butchering of children through the transgender movement is the significantly higher suicide rates post-operation for people because it doesn't fix the problem. Because there isn't hope. If you're just an accident and you want to and your feelings are leading the path you can never find hope in that but if, if you go back to the very beginning and you go back and look at how each part of god's universe was created on purpose everything all of a sudden has hope every one of your lives has meaning and purpose and is hopeful and that's really incredible and so i would encourage you this week to be people of creational hope like see the hope in god's creation and god's economy and rejoice in it Take a moment to stare at what the clouds are doing or the fact that the wind blows. The fact that the sun comes up every single day. 
I've said this before, but if, if you don't believe in God, there's actually no evidence to prove that the sun should come up tomorrow. It's just an accident. It's an accident that continues to happen over and over and over and over again. But, but we know it's just... Right, but you know it's there. But the sun does come up tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's excellent. That's fantastic. Do you know we do want to? We we could do like interpretive dance with it. Sure. Everyone, yeah, we'll get up and do it. So, rejoice in the fact that you are created beings, living in the hope of God's creation, and share this beauty with other people. Like, point it out. It, I was thinking about, I'll wrap up with this. I think about you, Grandma, a lot because you literally have roses that we can stop and smell. We should take the time to stop and smell the roses. The bees have helped me a lot with, like, taking time to stop and watch God's creation interact with, with itself. Watching the, the bees come and watching that tree up there. So this one here, what is it called? I think Grandma needs bees. Grandma does need bees. I think we could put bees on her property. We could manage. Well, what, what, what do we call this tree here? Anybody know? That's a, linden. a linden tree. There's one there, and there's one on that side as well. The internet tells us, and we know that everything that the internet says is true, but the internet says that one of those trees is the same amount of pollination as 3,000 acres of wildflowers. That tree is incredible, and if you come out here in the morning, you can hear it buzzing when the bees are pollinating it. When it's, when it's in bloom, and, and, and it you can smell it because the beehives there are they're going to here and pulling all of this pollen, you know, pollen and nectar from the tree, and it's incredible. And then you can go stand underneath the, the tree and watch the bees move and work and not be interested in you at all. And it's beautiful and it's breathtaking, and, and it, it just reminds me how good our God is and how finely tuned our world is. So so finely tuned that laws of probability, <laughs> one to the whatever the exponential chance is that all of these different intricate parts could work together in the seamlessness that we get to experience. And so I tell you this week to, to stop and think about that and breathe it in deeply and enjoy it. Evolution is death, creation is hope, and without creation, life is actually meaningless and doesn't exist. And so let's all like rejoice and thank God that we have an incredible creator. Amen? Amen. Let's go sing, and then I'm going to throw the steak out on the grill, and we're going to eat all the foods.